Hey everybody, Scott Stevens here. Let's talk about wokeness. And I need your help with this one, so I want you to participate in this baby. We'll uh, do it in about 90 seconds. Gotta let the countdown. A few people show up, and we'll be on our way. See you in a bit. Perspective. Scott Stevens here with a few of you showing up on this early mountain afternoon. And it was even in the last evening, I'm like, what the heck am I going to talk about it? I ended the show on Monday and wanted to talk about financial uh, accountability. And that was sponsored or at least uh, prompted by, uh, uh, I believe it was called WeWire, a, a German PayPal-ish kind of company that suddenly was missing like, no, oh, oh good, you did have music, you heard it. I did not hear it. Usually I get feedback, guys. So thanks for the note. And I don't need to say that again. And Vicky, that's kind of why I wear headphones just to make sure I catch these things. But uh, maybe the balance wasn't already up and set. But uh, what I was kind of thinking was uh, was financial accountability. But there's so many moving parts in that. And not that there isn't with this other topic. Uh, but I kind of wanted to see how that kind of played out and and just a bit a bit more development of it. But this is something, this woke culture is kind of where I wanted to go today and how that is uh, taking over the news. It's taking over how we drive through some cities that uh, are in the process of trying to defund the police to, uh, you know, allow what are probably just the social justice warriors a little more free reign on what's going on in, in, in these cities. So it's a, a bit of a kind of an iffy topic because apparently I was born with some privilege and that is a, a, a no-no in this day and age. So woke culture and how woke culture has changed. And um, it kind of started with woke back in the 1960s. And uh, we'll get into the specifics of that. And it has evolved into maybe not in this order, but they're fairly close into the Black Lives Matter movement, which has been around four plus years and the woke business being around 50 plus years. And of course, white privilege doesn't uh, exist without the others. And then, of course, is the social justice warriors who want to bring attention to all of this, all of these particular issues. And then once the social justice warriors get on kindly the rampage, then we have developed a cancel culture where if there's something that was done, even in an artist's, a politician's, a person of some note in, in culture that they can go back and judge whether that issue, that point of view, that comment was, was proper or not even outside of the context of the age, the era, the setting upon which that was. Uh, and some of them that kind of come to come to uh, to notice to the forefront have been the blackface issues. You know, that was that was just something that apparently happened, not in my circles, but something that happened in the past. And then those that have been the social justice warriors engaging in the in the cancel culture cannot then take or engage in criticism. So then recently there is a name christened for that part of culture, and those are the snowflakes, because they melt under pressure. They melt under the little bit of, bit of heat applied to that point of view. And then the cancer, the cancer culture, maybe that was appropriate, the cancel culture 
with the mob access to the movement of the social justice warriors has the ability to deplatform those voices which they disagree with and that essentially results in an aspect of censorship good to get you on the right computer robin i can know all about that business so uh this is kind of where where this uh i see this timeline of this issue happening so the woke culture as a political term of African-American origin refers to a perceived awareness of issues concerning social justice and racial justice. It is derived from the African-American vernacular English expression, stay woke, whose grammatical aspect refers to a continuing awareness of these issues, Wikipedia. And with a lot of the uh, the movements, the anti-war movement, the free love movement, those of the 60s, sure, there was that there, there was that awakening in culture as the great society and through LBJ and those aspects kind of began to move uh, from segrega- uh, segregation uh, to more of a, a support the community and, and bring them all together and, and, and support them. It was a, a, a definite shift in the democratic movement to do that with uh, with the the black race. All right. Woke. It's adjective. Aware. Knowledge about your community and the world with the willingness to access and critique systems of oppression. So it's a recognition that we've got a problem. And ultimately, I think all of us would probably agree with that, that there is no perfect system out there. There's no perfect interaction uh, between between races. It's We're, we're a, a world full of individuals, a world full of individuals with our own points of view, our own life experiences. And certainly there is a lot of heritage where there has been oppression. That is that it, that is a fundamental basic expression or experience of the animal kingdom. That's just kind of the way it is. Yeah, you don't, Vicky, you don't recognize that you've, uh, you can fix a problem until you've recognized it. And then once it's recognized, then we can begin to begin to work on it in some degree. And so this woke culture has has developed into the social justice warriors, SJWs. And uh, this is, it's really kind of difficult to thread a discussion across these issues because they're all intermixed and yet they have applications across different societies and how these different societies, whether they're in America, whether they're in Europe, whether they're in Africa or Asia, they've all had these kind of one oppressor over another. That has been an aspect of humanity probably since the beginning. There were always those that were stronger, smarter, cunning, conniving, more willing to use another for their own gains and purposes at the expense of another. I think that has just been part of culture. It's part of the human experience. It's part of being beaten down so that you can A, overcome it, and then recognize and uh, and help others work themselves through the experience. So we'll hit this cancel cult- culture. It honestly has really taken on a, a large aspect of of the woke movement the me too movement the black lives movement is you see something you don't like and and there's a, a rage against it right robin i, I yeah the it, it, the definition makes sense because that's exactly what what's happening and it's it's kind of a i don't want to say a hipster movement but something from from the millennials because they have been so prominent within social media that being their primary means of of communication they've kind of taken the social justice warrior and turned it into the cancel culture as retribution for what they perceive as error so to cancel somebody usually a celebrity or other well-known figure 
or even a friend in and amongst your smaller circle. That happens too. And, and we've seen kids traumatized by bullying through this culture, this, this aggressive this aggressive culture. It means to stop giving support to that person. The act of canceling could entail boycotting an actor's movies or no longer reading or promoting a writer's works. The reason for cancellations can vary, but usually is due to the person in question having expressed an objectionable opinion. Oh my goodness, that is the unpardonable sin to express an objectionable opinion or having conducted themselves in a way that is unacceptable so that the continuing to patronize that person's work leaves a bitter taste. So the idea of canceling, and some have labeled it the cancel culture, has taken hold in recent years due to the con conversations prompted by the Me Too movement and other movements that demand greater accountability from public figures. Now, in some ways, that isn't a bad thing. Because often these public figures have been able to live with their feet not walk or touching the ground as they walk. They've been put on a, on a platform. So when great responsibility is, is given, then much is expected. So there is an aspect of that that you have to be on your best behavior. The term has been credited to black users of Twitter, where it has been used as a hashtag. As troubling information comes to light regarding celebrities who were once popular, such as Bill Cosby, most of us are familiar with that story, as well as Michael Jackson, Roseanne Barr, and Louis C.K. So come calls to cancel such figures. The cancellation is akin to a canceled contract, severing the relationship that once linked a performer to their fans. Uh, as Bromwich writes in the New York Times, the word echoes the trend of on-demand subscription content where a user can opt out just as easily as one opts in. So become a, a movement of sorts. Yeah, the correct definition. And, and it keeps coming back to it, uh, Karen. We we hit this kind of over and over and over. The cancel culture and basically prompts, prompted by attitudes within the community which call for or bring about the withdrawal of support from a public figure, such as, a, such as the cancellation of an acting role, a ban on the playing of an artist's music, both affect their income, removal from social media, et cetera, usually in response to an accusation not a condemnation, or it is a condemnation, but not, not, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't even think of the word, where they have been found guilty of said crime. An accusation, that's kind of where we are in this society because we don't go through a, a proper legal recourse or it's all just trial by accusation. There's no evidence, there's no this and that. It is truly becoming a mob rule. And we have seen that on display in many, many, many places over the last two to three years. It's believable. It's belie I believe it's worth thinking about what accountability looks like beyond simply exiling someone. In doing so, we can position ourselves more firmly within the values of social justice. So if someone is just exiled without a trial, without reason, just do it because emotions or someone dares point a finger and scream in an echo chamber you know, then we don't understand or the person doesn't have a position or a place to be able to respond appropriately. So this is kind of a cute cartoon. If we cancel every toxic person, we would have no culture because humans are a fundamentally flawed species. And that's the whole purpose of existence is because we have things to work through each and every one of us. So if you are afraid to speak out, if you're sprayed afraid to talk about a topic, then what's the point of the conversation? You just don't engage publicly. You, If you can't talk about 
your beliefs without triggering someone or being accused of something, whether it's aggression, microaggression, being racist or whatever, then conversation completely shuts down. And when wars happen, if those warring parties, whether it's sisters, brothers, families, nations, if there are no open lines of communication, then how does that fight, that argument, that uh, contest ever get resolved? So I thought this kind of humorous when I saw this today. Political spectrum chart, good, good, bad, bad. And all you can do for those who you know, enjoy geometry or, or math, you know, you're right there and everyone else is separate, is different. And they're, of course, a Nazi. And we seem to find we seem to find that uh, the term Nazi or even experience with it like 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago is completely lost. They believe in the socialistic where there's this oneness and everybody has oneness. And that completely ignores a person's individuality, which is the whole point of it all, is your individuality. That is your gift because we all come from a place of unity down here to enjoy and nourish and flourish our individuality to take those experiences back. All right, I think this is about the end of the cancel culture. It's a form of public shaming that tries to hold someone accountable for their actions by publicly calling them out, uh, calling out their behavior is problematic. Yeah, you know, and what's, what is problematic? That is completely unique to the situation because what is problematic is somebody's views over Taylor Swift or Liam Neeson is, is completely different than what I or you would see. So it becomes a very, very kind of sketchy um, right and wrong, a, a very unusual set of, of morality. You know, cancel culture has gotten out of hand when the media cancels a pandemic. And that's kind of where we went when we saw the Black Lives Matter take over the George Floyd issue and then run with it and focusing on one incident of observed violence when you can go to Chicago and see that same kind of violence happening nearly every other hour. This last weekend, 60 murders in Chicago. And yet, where is the outrage? Where is that balance in accusation? Where do we bring that kind of mob rage to account to a situation like that? So, we're very picky about what kind of things we're going to to rage on against. Um, yeah, exactly. It is our gift, uh, Robin, and and that's the I don't want to say it's the only thing we have, but it's it's very very special to us. Okay, our assumptions make things real, whether they are or not. And so when we look at something and see an objectionable experience, we're not seeing the whole thing. Videos of George Floyd from one side of the car versus another side of the car told a very different story. So, you know, our assumptions about what we're being shown are um, are kind of what we're uh, what we're uh, what we have to live with. All right, let's get back into uh, from uh, from that into snowflakes. In 2010s, a derogatory slang term for a person implying that they have an inflated sense of uniqueness. Back to individuality, aren't we? An unwarranted sense of entitlement or an overly emotional and easily offended and unable to deal with opposing opinions. Common usages include the terms special snowflake, generation snowflake, and snowflake as a politicized insult. So this is someone who struggles to deal with, well, maybe their assumptions, but also 
also the challenges that we're all dealing with in life. And there's no way anyone would be given a life without those challenges. Because you as an individual will have to overcome those challenges individually with your own strength found from the inside and certainly with support on the outside. But that is the point of it all. And it's gotten so bad or so rampant. The Joker director, Todd Phillips, says the woke scolds and Twitter mob mobs have killed comedy because they can't take a joke. They can't see the humor. They can't see the wisdom or the lesson inside the experiences that they that that is being talked about and discussed. So this puts these comedians in a very difficult place as to what would have been funny 10 years ago can get them banned, deplatformed, and jobless today. So how can you navigate people's sensitivities if there is no standard, if there is no accepted, okay, you can talk about this or not talk about that, this, and then I'm going to bring it right back to censorship. When is it okay to tell person, tell someone you can't, you can't talk? And even Obama has, has recognized that this culture isn't even activism. It's not that developed. It's not that evolved. Former President Barack Obama took a shot at the idea of young people feeling politically woke by being overly judgmental, saying that this is not activism. The story, speaking at the Obama Foundation Summit held at the Illinois Institute of Technology, Obama explained why he disagrees with the whole concept of woke culture among the young people, particularly on social media and college campuses. This idea of purity, that you're never compromised and that you will always politically, uh, that you're always politically woke and all that stuff, you should get over that quickly, he said. The world is messy. Hear, hear. There are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws. People who you are fighting may love their kids and share certain things with you. Obama said that these young people are just pointing fingers at those with whom they disagree, arguing such activism does not bring about change. And for me, that is the big thing. What kind of activism affects a change that is lasting? That is the challenge. He goes on to say, one danger I see among young people, particularly on college campuses, he added, that I do get a sense that somehow among certain young people, this is accelerated by social media, of course, that there's a sense of sometimes of the way of me making changes to be as judgmental as possible about other people. And that's enough. Like if I tweet or hashtag about something that you didn't do something right, or you used the wrong verb that I can feel pretty good about myself because man... Did you see how woke I was? I called you out. Obama goes on to say that that is not activism. That's not bringing about change. If all you're doing is casting stones, you're probably not going to get that far. That's easy to do. And it is easy. Those, yeah. And that's kind of where this crowd has evolved. They're woke. They have social media. So a very powerful way of connecting with a lot of people and inciting a movement. And if there's the potential of money behind this with another agenda, be it known or not known, then we've got another wild card in play out in the world. So my question is, how different is this kind of setup? Different, well, I wanted to go here, to what's happened with ISIL or ISIS in the Middle East. Guys wrapped in black, going around destroying things, because of a difference of opinion and who funded that movement as well, where we see statues, 
monuments, those kind of things being destroyed. And ultimately, is there that much of a difference between what is happening in the Western world compared to what happened in the Middle East over the last couple of years, where these monuments, which were thousands, hundreds, if not thousands, and, and many thousands of years old, and parts of antiquity, the beginnings of this expression of human civilization, where's the benefit to anybody to affect this kind of destruction? It's not activism. It's just wanton destruction. So white supremacy, supremacy stole our liberty. Is that really true? Did you not, by affecting and supporting this kind of movement that has resulted in canceling culture, the destroying of, I want to take this to the next step. Nah, there's one more back there that I wanted this one. That how can white supremacy destroy history when it is these kind of social justice warriors in a cancel culture pretending to be woke, rewriting history? That's where it's happening from because they're not allowing history to stand on its own so that we can learn from it. Because if we gut history, then we can't see where we've come from. We can't see and get an anchor as to where we're potentially going. And this is the, the issue I find mostly with, with um, restricting that free kind of movement. All right, this was just a, a comment posted on, uh, on, on one of the videos I'd done recently. This, Catherine says, I live in Richmond, Virginia, and we know what's happened in Richmond over the last couple of weeks. And you can be darn sure I'm unhappy with all our statues being ruined. It dishonors the people that had to live it. This present generation has no right to remove to cancel their experience. Nobody believes today that slavery is correct. And as you say, our present generation didn't commit these crimes of inhumanity. So this is what I thought was kind of interesting. And I wanted to go back. I'm gonna have to probably go back a few slides to um, this, this gal, Aunt Jemima. And uh, I honestly don't right now remember the company that has this brand, but they succumb to the social justice warriors and are going to rename the product even though her family, her heritage, that family, which, you know, Hey, this is my aunt. This was, this was us. This was her recipe. This was her product, you know, and honored by society. They don't want to see that happen. They don't want to see her legacy destroyed. So we're rewriting history, pretending things didn't happen. And it's unfortunate that, or maybe we're just showing being shown who are the stronger of the group, the people, those cr content creators that can stand up against this raging against what are perceived injustices. And uh, as we showed off earlier, those assumptions are made real by your belief in those particular assumptions. White privilege to all liberty held up by a white girl, right? Isn't that ridiculous? Uh, but it's a mob. It's a mob. And that, Martin, is, in my opinion, just about all it is. And it has become ridiculous. And that's where, how does this, I want, I want to come on to the end. We'll go through this. And I, I, I'm more, I'm, I'm kind of saddened that I didn't get over to Iraq, to Syria, to see these kind of cradle of civilization monuments before they were, before they were taken down. There's pictures and, and so forth. So people can say calling them a snowflake damages their mental health. Oh, maybe. 
A new survey reveals that young people believe being called a snowflake can be damaging to their mental health. A new survey by the insurance firm Aviva found that 72% of 16 to 24-year-olds believe the term snowflake is unfairly applied to millennials. 74% of respondents took it a step further, arguing that they believe the use of the label could have negative effects on people's mental health. Maybe we just give them a trophy. All right, after being socially and politically conditioned by public education, professors, and the mainstream media for his entire life, he woke up one day with an inexplicable urge to actually think for himself, and the pain was unbearable. A little tongue-in-cheek there. So, kind of get here with Oprah, and uh, be thankful for what you have, because you'll end up having more. That's a good way to look at it. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. And for those fighting for more for other people, in some ways, it is a noble cause. But is it the right way to go about it? Is there a way that something better, something more lasting can be developed from this that doesn't require the use of sledgehammers, spray paint, and lighter fluid? There's got to be other ways to accomplish this kind of change without using those kind of tools. Those are very common tools and anybody can use those, but they're not going to last the test of time. And so if those are the tools you are using to affect change, expect that change to be very, very short-lived. And that's not exactly the quote why I wanted to have, but I suppose to end it all, we just have to realize that we're all down here in school with our individuality to help one one another along and a realization that none are foolish and none are wise. See only that the operation of that greater one, that greater divine will is in effect everywhere. And I know I had another quote. I know I had something else in here, but I suppose I didn't. And that's the way it was supposed to be. All right, come, let's come back over here. Uh, Aunt Jemima was a fictitious character played by a real black woman at a world's fair. Uncle Ben's price products may also be changed. Did not know that yet. Did not know that. So, um, you know, and we're going to go back and look at all, all of these products that have had a face put on them for marketing purposes, for marketing reasons. And I don't know how long that, that, that label has been out there or Uncle Ben's either, but nevertheless, that's kind of where we are. All right. Uh, and of course, we're no longer able to sit Indian style or Indian wrestle. Yeah, what, what, what do they call that? The, a lotus position instead. It was Indian style, though. I remember that. I remember that very well. All right, guys, uh, coming up on uh, the bottom of the hour. And uh, thanks for stopping by. I'm not quite sure where we want to go on uh, on Tuesday. Maybe we'll get back to the financial aspect of things uh, as we get into next week. But certainly we'll hit a, a weather show tonight at uh, 5 o'clock Mountain. There's a lot of good stuff. I'm telling you, there's a lot of good stuff to look at, some crazy videos to, to, to have a, a look at tonight. So join me then for a look at that. And uh, one more from Martin. Uh, but the family descendants of Nancy Green, the model who played Aunt Jemima, are against the brand changes. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the clarification. You know, and, and they should be. You know, it's just some things are not so offensive that we can't look at them and just... Uh, kind of in, in, enjoy the uniqueness and, and the history associated with it. It's not all bad and it's certainly not all good. And therein lies the challenge is letting good enough be enough. And then recognizing that those things we'd like to change, 
maybe we can have a hand in, and maybe they're just perfect the way they are because they're providing other people with lessons, lessons that they couldn't experience or learn from any other way. All right. Thanks for stopping by, uh, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next Monday on another perspective. So keep looking up.